Welcome to the Sports Zone on Three Valleys Radio. How are you enjoying your time at Gilmore? First time I've oh, loving it. It's absolutely uh, brilliant, you know. And it's cleared as far as Diaz. And Yeovil are ahead in the third minute. As Bradford came forward looking to attack the Glovers' defence, they left themselves open to the counter. For up to the minute sports coverage with exclusive news of our broadcast partners, Yeovil Town Football Club. Um, it makes me really happy. Direct from the heart of the West Country. Hello and welcome to the Three Valley Radio season with the Yoga Town, where we've got the Sports Zone team here tonight with me, Ian. I'm joined by Aidy. Hello there, how are you? Josh is here. Good evening. And our commentary team of Dave Plyer. Evening all. <laughs> and Paul Thorpe. Good evening, everybody. How are you? So the dust has settled on our season, and I'll... Let's have our views. What do we think? How did the season go? Dave, you, you were commentator for the entire season. Yeah. And you, you were there front line. How do you think the season went? Uh, I think the season was a successful one. Um, going into the season, I was worried that we might be fighting uh, relegation again because it seems to be every time you looked at a table, no matter what, which year you started... You were scrolling down on your phone when you're trying to look for the table because you're over towards the bottom of the league. So it was a very um, encouraging uh, campaign, I think. Um, Certainly going into this next season, I'm looking at it with more optimism than when I went into this season. And yeah, it's disappointing to always lose a a playoff campaign. It would have been nice to go up at the first time of asking, but I think we've got a better... Um, a better squad now to equip and, and go again because normally you see with Yeovil Town that every year there's a huge turnover in staff and then they're sort of having to start again whereas I feel like they're not going to have to maybe do as quite um, do as much um, patching up of the squad this time around I mean we only had how many players was it at the start of the season it was only about six or seven well, or something four, was it yeah, even that four pros I think four senior pros and a couple of youth players so so I think um, Darren Sal can be really proud of what he's done and and kick on for next year what about you Forpey well, well, well said well yeah. said <laughs> what more yeah uh, again uh, extremely worried um, like I say four players uh, signed on I think as we got to the start of the season, I was, uh, you know, we started the first few games. I was actually mildly surprised at how well the team knitted together. You know, I've done like uh, management and, uh, admittedly at a lower level, but management and coaching. And it is difficult to, to knit these teams together and to get some sort of like pattern of play going. You know, uh, I know they're pro- professional full time, you know, contracts and that, where, where in our level it's uh, part time. You know, but it's whatever, you know, you can buy the best players in the world. And I think years and years ago, if people remember the Galacticos, the original Galacticos, like of Real Madrid, they had the most amazing team to look at, couldn't play together. So I think knitting that team together was fantastic. And I think that he should be, and not just him, Terry as well, should be extremely proud of what they've achieved this season. Although when you're in that season and it's going well, there's a, a, a you know, a tinge a little bit of sadness that we haven't finished the job off. And I think that um, that ruthlessness we've got to bring into that team. And um, and if we do that, I think then the next season could be a success. I think on that point, it sort of, the season started a bit patchy. They couldn't quite get the rhythm. And then Charlie Lee came in and there was a couple more additions. And then it really sort of, the momentum shifted. And yeah. The performances really came. It's just through. that period after after Christmas, wasn't it? After the back to backs with Torquay, I think the January and sort of early February mm-hmm. form started to take a bit of a dip, and there was within that there was that draw uh, to Ebbsfleet, I think it was at home, and that was a that was a frustrating a frustrating game when Funny I think they were bottom of the league at the time. Because for those of you who don't know, but Charlie Lee has just signed a new contract. Um, I don't know whether this programme is going to be actually broadcast, but uh, he signed a contract. Darren Sal announced it at the press conference today. So that's great news. And Carl Dickinson also has, has, has signed up as well. That's really, really good news because he was um, integral of that. that uh, I think everybody's been mildly surprised by his. I don't know about you, but you know, I know he's had a you know good career, but he was coming. You know, his age is possibly, I'd say, against him a little bit. But I think that. I've been highly impressed. 
Well, I mean, he's played every. I mean, the most minutes hasn't he out of any Yeovil player this season. So I think that's talking about you, Charlie Lee. Oh, I, right. I think that speaks testament to him as as a person. And I, I think Darren said on a number of occasions how he seems to kind of pick up these knocks and these scrapes, and then somehow just manage to make it out on a Saturday. And I think you see his versatility as well. He's so good at just sitting in front of that back four and kind of sweeping up the passes from set pieces. He's great at taking them, but also winning the balls in the He's air. Got a, a magnificent For a small man, lead, isn't it? Isn't it? His, his leap is, and his mm. jumping reach is, is incredible. And, um, and even, I mean, I remember the game away at Bromley and we were really poor and there was a very young back line and, and Collins got sent off and, and the way Charlie Lee then just slotted in there and played so well against a team that at that point were really firing at the top of the league and we came out with it with a point and he was the one who crossed it in, what was it, 97th, 8th minute of the game and so that, that's just testament to him and, and I think he's certainly... But a really important player for you able to sign on um, and just have that experience and that real experience spine now that they've got with the players that they've managed to retain from last season well the same applies to Carl Dickerson I think I mean his, his stats are pretty pretty impressive in terms of games played and time time spent and what have you so uh, you know you've got two players there that have got a huge experience and <coughs> experience is an important thing in and versatile as well like yeah, yeah. With Charlie Lee I mean Charlie Lee anywhere. did it with Leighton Orient uh, so he's been there, you know, worn a T-shirt. So I think there are two huge signings, and uh, I was well pleased when I heard that. I must admit, it's quite a redemption story for Carl Dickinson because he was sort of frozen out by mm. the last manager and was training. I think was he training at Port Vale for a little while as well, and then yeah. Darren Soul came in and just kept him on. And I think his influence behind the scenes is with Carl is, is a huge grittiness there is that old player like gritty on you know I've got another year in me I've got that another year in me and yeah. I'll see that I mean I'd like to see him further forward you know further up the pitch um, doing his bits and pieces you know and I'd like to see you know uh, the wing backs doing real well down the flanks but he's um, I like that grittiness you know that's the one thing that and I mean that'll be the really interesting thing to see next season because I think the one worry with him is perhaps he's not as fast as he is, you'd say, kind of five years ago, and it's if they're going to play that wing-back system. Certainly when they used to play kind of three centre-backs and two wing-backs, and they had to cover a lot of ground, and you see Romeo Hutton bombing on the other side. Dixon's not that sort of player, so it's how they kind of create the system to suit him, and that'll be something interesting to see. And I think that's maybe the one issue where probably Yeovil need to strengthen is, is a couple of young kind of players that they can bring off the bench that has that kind of that pace and that bit of creativity because they seem to really miss the kind of James Tilly type when he left to Grimsby and I, and I lost in DF as well when he got injured and we saw it even again in the playoff um, of, uh, what, what game was it called not semi-final uh, eliminator the eliminator that, um, the, of the playoffs that we created so many chances and just couldn't finish them. But you just felt like when Barnett were kind of sitting back, if you could have just had that creative midfield player that could maybe slip a ball in, a James Tilly type, a Lawson Diaf type, hopefully when he comes back from injury, he'll, he'll be a big plus for us. So I think that's probably the one area they really need to strengthen. But I think we're in a good place. I think the right-back position as well is something we need to look at because we probably won't get Romeo Hutton for next year he'll probably mm. go into the football league one would imagine and I think he's been brilliant for us this season and every time he's been fit which is most of the time in fairness he's been he's been he's that been starter a, on the right hand yeah, side he's been a massive plus and like he looks he looks like he can play mm. a lot higher so you know maybe another loan spell elsewhere a higher mm. club could be really good for his uh, for his you know career because that would just leave us with um Craig Alcott. Craig Alcott and probably no guarantee that he'll stay maybe for Tom the next Bradbury season if he, if he um, I've got a sneaking feeling having heard Darren talk about this player I've got a sneaking feeling he might keep Tom Bradbury because mm. uh, I mean obviously he's got budgets to, to stick to but I, I just I might be wrong but I've just got a sneaking feeling that he wouldn't, have been, he wouldn't be on a lot anyway I wouldn't have no thought. and no, he's another no. versatile player who we've, kind of, we've seen it with him haven't we the last season playing centre back playing right back it's, and that's the sort of players you need if you're going to be working as what we think is probably going to be a lower budget um, a more restricted smaller squad you need those sorts of players who can play in a few different positions and the loan market's going to be massive again isn't it I mean we saw with Mayo Hutton and I think Yeovil were hardly paying anything if anything at all for his wages so that was a really good financial deal for the club and if they can get 
a few more players like that, maybe from the Championship and, and, and League One teams, and that could really make a difference, I think. But I remember when we, we did, uh, we played Dorchester in a friendly, and um, we were down, I was taking photographs, I think, and I did a uh, quick post-match interview with Darren then, and, you know, I said, uh, you know, how, how do you see it going? And he said, oh, he said, you know, you're going to talk to me in another month and a half, I haven't got a team yet. Well, he, he did well. He did yeah. very well, and he, and he negotiated. And he's the sort of guy I would think, you know, he's a he's a likable, pleasant sort of a guy. And I, I'm sure he would he would use his all the tricks in the book to get what he wants. We might have some players to come back as well because Tom Whelan started that day when he was on trial, and he's yeah. done, he he's done quite well at Weymouth. Yeah. So he Bad might final. just be that player who can sort of link the defence to the midfield to be interesting what happens there it's just, what happens is regards to player wise it, the word gets about about managers you know are they good what they like and you know they will they'll chat away and you know and stuff so the, the word will be out that, that Darren Sell's a decent bloke you know and he's an honest fella but he, you know he, he wants you to work hard that's already out there I can guarantee you and what's what's really impressed me is that you know the way he motivates and the way he talks he's very honest you know uh, straight to the point which I personally like but also I see it that players want to play for him. And I think that's really important for, for the fans that may be getting a bit disappointed now. I'd be quite excited because I think he's, he's able to get that player, you know, and also, and also looks at the player and the way he, he works for the team and the squad as well. Yeah. You know, I think that's really important. But I see players that want to play for him, you know, and, um, and I think that's really big, especially at that, that, that lower level. Well, if you'd heard him, heard him talk today about how he... He said, I went to Charlie and to Carl and I just said, look, you know, what, do you want to stay? I wanted to stay. And they said, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And he said, it was as simple as that. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's what you want to hear. And that's it? what you want. That's and you, you hear want. a similar thing, you know, when he signed Reese Murphy, it was a handshake in the yeah, centre time. circle. Yeah. And, and I mean, there were a lot of clubs after Reese Murphy and, and to think that he decided to come to... To Yeovil because of the, that relationship with Darren Sowell. I mean, you've seen it as we said, Charlie Lee, Luke Wilkinson. He's had him at previous clubs and, and obviously made a good enough impression. Ben Kennedy, another player that's been linked with Yeovil, obviously knows him from his time at Stevenage. He's got those football league contacts that can really help the Glovers in just trying to maybe nick a couple of players that have got played a little bit in the football league and, and maybe offer them kind of regular game time in the national league. Um, I think he's a great manager to have. And I've got to say, I think there are probably a few Yeovil fans that were a little bit sceptical at the start of when he was announced. Three-year contract, it was a long contract for a manager whose really only uh, job had been at Stevenage, certainly in the kind of senior men's game. Um, but he's, he's, I mean, completely changed the club. You look at where the Yeovil were 12 months ago to where they are now, and it's kind of chalk and cheese, really. And a, a lot of credit has to go to both Scott, the owner, um, but also down to Darren himself. You make a good point as well that the fact that he's managed in the Football League before, whereas Yeovil have tended to promote from within. Mm. So there's a lot of players out there who are not really familiar with the managers, whereas you say he's managed to sort of tap into players he's worked for before and gone, mm. I know that he can do a job for me. And um, that was a good pull with getting the likes of Collins and Wilkinson lead through the door. As well with his experience at Watford yeah. in the academy... He's obviously got the credentials of um, looking after youth players, so other clubs will be quite happy to send them to Yeovil because they know they've got a manager who's got that quality. And also a manager that can coach. Yeah. You know, there's some managers are just managers. But he's, no, he's so relaxed as well. And he was, he was saying today, because I said about Gene Cotton leaving the club, and he was very complimentary about Gene, but, but he was explaining it. He said, you know, I'll get in on a Monday morning. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll get in a bit. We, have, we start a bit later, at least to give the lads a chance to get, get to where, where they come from. And he said, I'll sit down and have a cup of coffee with Gene. And he said, we'll, we'll slaughter the referee and we'll mark him up. And, and it, you know, it sounds as though the whole thing was so relaxed that he's, mm. he's not all sort of hyped up like certain people I could uh, <laughs> reference. And, uh, you know, he's, he's just relaxed and he's, you know... And that rubs off on the players, doesn't it? Yeah, if you've, got, if you've got a manager like that... And not just the players, the staff and the whole club. You yeah. know, if you've got a, a relaxed manager, you know, 
And, and, and I think, I mean, that refreshing honesty, we go back to all the press conferences, and I mean, he can talk for England, but the stuff he says is, is so insightful for Yeovil fans who perhaps really haven't had that sort of transparency before, yeah. or certainly for a long time. And I think they finally feel like they've got an owner and a, a manager who kind of listens to them and gets, gets what they're about and gets what the club about, is about. And I think probably looking at highlights from the season, yeah, we've had some great moments on the field, but I think the biggest one is actually to bring the club back to the fans. Because we were in a bad place 12 months ago, I think everyone knows that, both off the yeah. field and on it. And, and I think actually getting the fans back on side and making it feel like a proper club again and having that kind of mentality about the whole town as well, I think that's probably his biggest achievement to date. You mentioned the word transparency, and that's a, that's a huge word. And... Uh... You know, when you sort of like see the manager being open and honest, and uh, and then you feel a lot closer to the club and closer to him as well. And it, uh, you know, the club's got a long way to go uh, from where the, they had the dizzy heights, and they've got a long, long way to go about restructuring the club, getting a, a culture there. And uh, and but it's been, but you know, on the other plus, it's been a massive start and a massive positive start as well. I think from the moment that first interview came out uh, of his announcement. And he said, "Our the players, are relegated players. They're not, you know, they're not all that. They're not all they think they might be." And from that moment, you know, that message sort of set with me. It was like, "Well, he's not going to stand for yeah. any of the nonsense that we have had before, where it seemed like the players haven't been playing for the shirt or playing for the club." For great coverage of Yeovil Town Football Club. Oh, genius! to be Three Valleys Radio. It's just really easy and simple to do and you can just access it wherever there's an internet connection. Uh, so we've, we've sort of covered off Darren Siles' first season, I would say. Um, got any season highlights from the year? Uh, it's been quite a long season, hasn't it, when you well, take count the interruption? My, my highlights were, were, first off, was the, the first game that we broadcast that we, we managed to do it with without any problems <laughs> because it's taken us a while to, to get a know. year ago today hmm? it was a year ago yeah, today yeah. our first broadcast um, it, it's taken a while to get ourselves to get technically efficient and um, remember to switch the microphone off when I'm having a good old swear and uh, <laughs> things like that you know but it has taken a while so I think the very first game that we did that we managed to get through it alright to me stands out it was only a friendly after all at the end of the day, but but it does stand out a lot. But I think I think the one that obviously the, the talky, you know, poor old Gary. Funny enough, we were just talking to Gary on the phone um, on the way up here. He just rang me, but uh, you know that was that was a, a, from a Yeovil point of view it was a great game. I'm sure he didn't enjoy it too much at six two. Did you tell him that on the phone? By the way, <laughs> no, no, I chose. We were discussing other things, but. Um, so I thought that, that's, that's got to be a highlight. Uh, and I still, you're going to get to a point where, but I'm going to tell you mine now, the best goal, I still read is that Courtney Duffus one. Uh, where, <laughs> the Wrexham game? Was it? I, don't, I can't remember which game it was. You know, the one where the goalkeeper... Dropped it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I just thought that was, that was brilliant. I, th- I think it was really well, you know. Yeah. Highlights for you? Yeah, so I think it's hard to disagree with the Torquay game. I think mm. when you've got... There's something about a game sort of in between Christmas and New Year as well. It's always like a, it's a it's a traditional best time to be a fan, uh, particularly of an English club. And six six two was it? Six I mean, two, it, was, yeah. it was just it was just the perfect sort of the perfect day to be to be a Yeovil fan, really. But there's there's been lots of highlights, which has been fantastic, really, because there hasn't been a lot of highlights to choose from over the past sort of three four seasons. So I look at. Um, sort of a big result at the start of the season or towards the start of the season when we um, beat Notts County 3-1 and yeah. that was sort of a a moment where I thought we turned a corner I think you've mentioned that before Eddie on the um, on the podcast that 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 felt like a real game change a sort of a season turning moment and then we really started to sort of progress from them and we got the plaque down and got the players that he wanted through the door and we started to look like a real team and, yeah. and motor on I look at the season Reese Murphy's had, and he's probably been the certainly stats-wise the best striker we've had since um, Paddy Madden, mm. and it makes such a difference having a striker in your team that can score goals. It sounds obvious, but you don't always get that. And um, Courtney Duffer's contribution as well—he was in the high teens as well. 
Um, you probably know exactly, Josh. Oh, we'll put you I on think, the spot there. <laughs> I, 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 think gonna, I think maybe 14. 14? No, that sounds good. Yeah, well, that's um, bad, is it? Yeah. But considering he was frozen out as well, yeah, again, exactly. another player who was told he could leave um, by the previous manager. And, and you just look back, and I know it's always bad to do this when the horse has bolted, but you think if we'd have had kind of Courtney Duffus and Carl Dickinson, those types in the team, maybe, um, <laughs> it could have been all so different, couldn't it? But... Yeah, I, I think adding on to your season highlights, I'd probably say Torquay away. I think the noise from Murphy's goal on the breakaway when we'd been really under the cosh and down to 10 men for most of the game and, and just to chip it over the goalkeeper and what the 93rd minute and that whole stand yeah. filled with Yeovil fans and seeing some of the... I mean, we were up in the press box one down day. To, down but, to 10 men as well. Yeah. It's just a shame our equipment wasn't working. Yes. <laughs> exactly. But... Um, but yeah, to, to hear that noise, naturally, I, something really sticks out to me, and it was when we walked out the ground afterwards, and I overheard a talkie fan saying, they're not only the best club we've played this season, but they're the best fans we've seen here in the last two or three seasons. They said the passion they've got was brilliant, and they said it felt like an away game. And that's, and that's really what I loved about it, because... I think the Oval fans, they've so long cried out for a team that they could really get behind the support, and they finally got one that actually they can really feel like is, is their team and really playing for the shirt. And and again, I mean, we've said this, and we're kind of lauding Darren so up, hopefully he doesn't get too big an ego, but uh, I think the team that he's now put in front of us is filled with those real kind of workhorses, those experienced players, and, and it, I thought that was just a great comment that really summed up the season, that it felt like we got our Yeovil back. Good position now, I would say, yeah. compared to last season. Yeah. I think we're a more attractive proposition to sort of come to the Oval this um, this year, even compared to uh, being yeah, a newly um, football really league club last year. Look at the situation we find ourselves as a country, as a world, in to be suddenly told, right, you're back. You've got to start training day. You've had three months off or whatever it was, where they've had to sort of try and keep fit, but. You're not telling me they're going to be as fit as they should be because they yeah. couldn't have been. Um, they got what two weeks was it to get ready for the playoff mm. game? Yeah. Um, it's asking a lot, isn't it? Really? Well, I mean, all right, you can say the same bar, uh, bar yeah. they, they managed it, we didn't. But, but I mean, I thought we were so unlucky in that game. Yeah, just you know, more clinical than us. You can't you can't hit the woodwork four times and have two cleared off the line. I mean, that is that's bad luck. And they had two shots. And- yeah, one was handball, yeah. <laughs> and you just—it yeah. was just one of those days, wasn't it? And I, I think actually going into it, I think because we knew form had gone out of the window, and you didn't know what to expect. I, I think Yeovil fans just wanted to see a performance from the team that, that they were happy with, that they could see they were trying to do the right things, they were committed, and, and we got that. Yeah, at the end of the day, they should have been more clinical. Yeah. We should have won that. But I, I, I think from the wet, for how far we've come, you—I mean—you just have to look back at it and say it's hopefully and experience for those players and they'll go into this season now with that and hopefully be able to go one better next time who knows it, it will be tough of do course do you have so. much to add to those highlights for you Ian? Um, I think my highlights are probably off the pitch I think the takeover finally going through and having a bit of certainty about the club and where we stood was really good at the start of the year and then I would say during the lockdown when the fans all joined together and raised that phenomenal amount of money for the club, you know, I think that really showed how the fans were together and yeah. were behind everything that um, was happening at the club. So I think that was a real, real, and nice still raising money now as yeah. well. There's yeah, still, there's still bits and bits and pieces, and, and it's yeah. And not only does it help the club, it helps the Oval Hospital charity as well. So it's, I think that's been quite a big thing that I don't think. I don't think necessarily that mentality would have been there before, like it was. Yeah, I think it's a lot of goodwill about the way. Well, there was an awful lot of suspicion about, unfortunately, about John Fry and Norman Hayward, and I could never understand why, but that it did exist, whether we like to admit it or not. It, you know, people for some reason didn't rate them. I mean, you know, maybe they stayed too long. I don't know. It's always difficult, isn't it? I think you become a victim of your own success, and perhaps. <laughs> If when we got to the championship, they'd have said, we've taken you over now as far as we, we can, and mm. maybe they'd moved on then, they would have gone out on a real high. And I, I think it was just because the fans could see that all the good work they'd done, us getting into the Football League and then going up the divisions was kind of being eroded. 
and, and I think that is so important and I don't think you can underestimate it good PR and when you've got the chairman kind of refusing to do media interviews and not having that transparency that we've got now I think it, it's quite easy then for the fans if things are going wrong just to blame I mean, either the manager or the... Owners. Yeah, but it would have been a great time. You need, you need, sometimes you need a character right at the helm, and, mm. um, and, and that was definitely the right time. For me, I think it was an opportunity missed by the owners to, to sort of bail out at the right time. Um, and then for somebody, maybe our sugar daddy, as you go on about, <laughs> uh, to take over and really try and take this small club but very famous club but up to the next level so just there. touching on that then Thorpey what were your highlights this I year? I've already said it like yeah. you know I've got the talkie down there you, yeah. know, you know the times when we've had the battle when we've gone down to 10 men you know the togetherness seeing that spark in the, on the terraces again for me that's massive you know as that's as big as like you know uh, as saying what's your best moment of football you know, for me, just seeing the fans enjoying their football, and, and you could see as the season progressed, the fans were, the attendances were getting more and more. The, the tendencies are getting, but that's also one of my biggest disappointments because they, all of a sudden we got the they, they got the club back. For me, the disappointment was I wanted to see more fans there. Yeah. You know, I want to see more fans. You know, when I go back to, to when I joined the club. You know, where I came from from Torquay, we were getting eleven hundred people. You know, I came to uh, to Yeovil and instantly in my first game, Scarborough, which I was lucky enough to notch for, you know, there were 1,700 people there. And that shows that the fan base is, is at this football club. And um, and I think that, it, you know, as much as it is the high to see them enjoying their football again, it's also a low for me because I know there's a lot more people out there that should be enjoying it with us on, on, on this journey, you know. Yeah, no, I, I suppose... It- maybe something that will happen after all of this and we're through the coronavirus and everyone can get so. back in the ground people might think oh I'm going to start going again that's a good point because there'll be that demand that people I, I, want yeah I hope so but also we we, we as a radio station have a, have a you know in a community radio station you know we we are taking it to them as well you know and I think that we have a big part to play for the football club as well and I hope the football club are listening and, and taking it on board because we we can join if we're all together you know I think that we can actually build something that will be good for the community and I think that if you've got a football community football club and working together with the media side and obviously the radio stations you've got a great you've got a great mix there because you can get the messages across there well, they've got, got the information they've got yeah, absolutely they've got, got a voice you know and then we can encourage other things that's other other in, you know, things might be going like coaching schools and that, and we can promote that. So I think that it'd be it'd be great if we can knit together with a football club a little bit more uh, for for the future. Definitely, definitely. Um, I've just realised what it says on your hat. Oh, I wonder when you was. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've got a new hat, Mister. A baseball cap, and it says Hopper, and underneath it, Legend. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a poll later on in the year. <laughs> I couldn't resist it when I saw it advertised on Facebook. So. Check out Hilda's Hits every week on Three Valleys Radio. So we've got our moments. What about our players of the season? Uh, I'm going to go first because I <laughs> jump in because it, it's right. my show. <laughs> because everyone knows that I'm going to say Albie Skendy because I've been talking about Albie Skendy for months as I just couldn't believe that the player that signed and played that first game evolved over the season to become a number 10 who seemed to be all over the pitch, everywhere, and just was an absolute machine. Like I think from the level he came from to sign for us to then be that crucial towards the end of the season, it was just... Unbelievable. Yeah. You, t- you touched on it as yeah. your player of the season as well, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, Last absolutely. Week. I'd love to see his stats compared to other people. Uh, his mileage must be incredible. Yeah. And how he keeps going. I mean, I've only played in midfield a couple of times, and I can tell you now, one, I'm not a midfield player. <laughs> right? <laughs> you only really just realised that. <laughs> yeah, I just realised that. You know? uh, but two, the amount of running you have to do you know, is incredible. And he does it box to box. And then we've said before, we'll be commentating. 
you know, he, he's in the right-hand side. Yeah. He's, or next thing you know, he's defending on the edge of our box. And next thing he's on the far post and trying to get a header in. It confuses you sometimes as, as a commentator. You think, yeah. was that? Oh, that's Skendi. That's The energy that he has shown and the determination as well to, to cement himself in, in the squad, I think is nothing short of miraculous. And uh, I'd like to personally say well done to him because uh, he's done an amazing job. Amazing he's also job. a character as well. He's, he's he's rounded from his background, you know. From mm. he's not come from an academy. He's not, you know, come from higher up in the game. He's worked his way up rather than falling down. It's a great, ladder. great find. And and he's he's just got such a nice personality about him. Yeah, and don't forget he's foreign, so he's had to adapt to, you know, playing football in England, which you know not everybody could adapt to it yeah. like that. Yeah, no, you know. Which he's, no, which he's done as well. And as you say, he's a character. He's a really nice bloke, and you know you can have the crack with him. He's, he's great. You know, I mean, when you know when they're doing their warm up, and we're up there getting yeah. ready to go. Like, and every time, scan if I'm that there, we get a wave. Every time, <laughs> you know, good on him. He's a good lad. He's a good lad. How about your player of the season? Well, mine. There's, there's several that you could pick. You know, I mean. Reece Murphy has to come into the reckoning for a start because he's an instant goal machine. Um, Luke Wilkinson has to come into the equation because he's he's so dependable at the back. Um, but I think if I had to be nailed down, I think Charlie Lee makes such a difference to the way the team ticks, uh, the amount of effort he puts in, and uh, you know he gets up when he's been flattened and carries on, and it doesn't get injured that often and, and when he does he's, he's not out for that off, you know, long period of time so I think it'd have to be Charlie Lee for me I or think me. yeah, yeah I, I think probably my player of the season is exactly the same kind of thinking process as UAD I mean Reese Murphy probably the best striker we've had since Madden Skendy for his rise his development I mean he's developed the most out of any player um and Charlie Lee, I mean, he's everywhere. He's that midfield terrier that we've really missed in recent seasons. It's nice to have a number of players. It to is, from, it is. It? To actually be able to say that these are all players that we think... I mean, you could pick kind of eight or nine of them, I think, that have had certainly decent campaigns in spells, at least. Um, but yeah, I'd go for Luke Wilkinson as, as my player of the season. I, I think he often gets overlooked. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. But if you want a dependable centre-back who's experienced, who can score wonder goals, like that free kick, if you remember, against Wrexham, which is still my goal of the season. Don't need my spot there. But just confirmation it was Wilkinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, at both ends of the pitch, he's, he's a real danger in um, the opposition box. But he's defending as well. I mean, I think we saw it in the in the playoff game and the amount of times that uh, the ball's put over the top and he just manages to kind of shrug off the striker or see it out for a goal kick and it's the kind of nasty bits of the game as well that he's those kind of tough tackles winning all the headers and and, and I think he probably doesn't get recognised as much as he should but if he's not in the team you, you notice it because I think he's such a key player to the sort of style that Darren Starr wants to play in. He's such a good uh, talker. Again, having those kind of talkers on the pitch and uh, off the pitch and dressing room as well as on it, I'd probably go for Luke. But, yeah, I, I think all the people we've mentioned could easily be up there. Yeah, so for me, it is one of the people that we've mentioned. For me, it's up the top, it's Reese Murphy. But it's interesting to know that we've all kind of picked the same pool of players and there's a lot to choose from, so that's you know it really encouraging. Um, just for me personally... I think it's it's just such a rare breed goal scoring at a, at a high high level of which Reese Murphy has, has done pretty much since he arrived in day one. Really, he sort of hit the ground running, scored against Dorchester, and not, yeah, yeah, and um, and and not look back. I mean, yes, he did pick up sort of injuries along the way, and see from our point of view, it's a it was a good time for him to get injured really because he got just before the lockdown didn't he so it didn't actually impact sort of uh, our season where we didn't have to play a lot of games towards the end of the season without him um, and the fact he was was he still top scorer in the league at that point he, he, he was I, I, think he's, I think he was third I think it was um, the Barrow striker was top who's yeah, gone out of my head quickly. now but, but, for, but he's top uh, for minutes per goal yeah 
which is I, I think a, a good marker really of how good he is. And I think eight, I think I mentioned it on um, the football podcast last week that eight times out of ten, I would say if you've got a twenty goal a season man, you're going to be towards the top of the table, and mm. is a big part of um, well, us having a successful campaign. And in the fourteen that. Courtney Duffus. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Not to be forgotten. I think an honourable mention to Courtney Duffus because he, like we said... It's unusual you have a striking season. partnership and they don't always play together either where you, you've got your second striker, if you like, who's almost just as many goals, yeah. which is incredible. Mm. The really. start of the season, for him to find himself in the position he's in now at Town, I think we wouldn't have yeah. believed it. No, that's right. Because, you know, we sort of thought well, playing was, from was, the wall and then he scored was, that first goal of the season for us, didn't he? Two, yeah. two players, Courtney Duffus and Carl Dickinson, were really, you know, it was a wonder they were still there. It was only the fact yeah. that contractually they were still... Because if, if the previous manager and they do, I think they'd have been long gone. Mm. You know, but, I mean, Darren stuck with them and, by God, he was repaid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at the difference in confidence from the Courtney Duffus that we saw in League Two, who was misfiring and bit part player and only given a few chances off the bench, to Courtney Duffus now, who, I mean, you, you expect him to see him in the team week in, week out. And he just seems to be so much more calm. And from the goal, he's got a lot fitter as well. I think he probably met himself. He, put, he wasn't the fittest when he originally came to us. But Darren's worked really hard with him and uh, to kind of build up his fitness. It makes a difference when you actually get a run of mm, We must have had so many players over the last four or five years that mm. have come on on three-month loan spells here and there. And you think, oh, I don't really rate him very much, but he's only played... 10 minutes here, 20 there. You get that sharpness, that match sharpness, and that's, uh, you know, when you've had a, you know, been off quite a while, it's quite hard to get back. But as soon as you've got it, you know, it's nice to, nice to, to, to stay there. Like, you know. I think going from a team that was struggling to create chances for mm. him to put away to then go into a team that's, you know, putting them on a plate for him on a regular basis that, that, again. that's where the wingbacks come in you know yeah. when you've got crosses I remember Alan Sheeran saying oh, what's the matter with uh, Newcastle and he just said straight out if they don't put the crosses in for me I'm not going to start scoring you know all of a sudden they put some crosses in off he started going and then we've got <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know and, and, and with, with somebody who's big you know we had Armateo didn't we got Armateo like you know I was expecting more out of him and that's a, a little bit of a disappointment but with Courtney he was up there, he was getting on the end of it. Reese Murphy's there, we had Charlie Lee turning in the box, you know, popping it back across, and we were creating chances again. And that's what's important. You get that nice V from Charlie Lee coming out to, you know, to your, your midfield players and out to your wing backs, and that solid base with your number 10, you know, sitting in there, you know, it's really important. How many goals did we score, Stato? A lot. <laughs> you know, no. Uh, no. Um, I. I think we were third highest goal scorers in the league, um, and but we had an embarrassment of riches up front. If you think about it, I mean, you had Chris Dagnall, fast football league experience. Mark Richards, fast football league experience. And they, I mean, they were only on the bench, weren't they? You saw Mark; he came in for the Dover game and scored a, a brilliant goal. So mm-hmm. I, I think to have those sorts of options, which Yeovil never had. I mean, you look at the football league, and if you looked at our substitutes bench when we were in, they say, League Two. There wouldn't really be that many. There'd be young players. There'd be ones that are probably a bit unproven. You can bring them off the bench. You're not really sure what you're going to get. If you look at our bench last season, we had quite a lot of experienced pros that we could bring on, and you, you know that if you bring them on for 20 minutes, half an hour, they're actually going to make a difference. And I think that's a big thing as well. Just quickly going back to um, the moment of the season as well, we can't do a season review without mentioning what happened up at Solihull when Luke Wilkinson scored the mm. winner and then ended up going in goal for the last. <laughs> at five ten minutes or so and made that save mm. as well towards the end this, uh, I thought it's just worth, that's why he's my player of the season worth just throwing that alone. just worth throwing <laughs> that in there versatile that's what they call it very versatile any moments that stick out for you loads really but the um... success of Three Valleys Radio <laughs> Well, that's nice to think of it, that, but uh, maybe, maybe there won't be the fact that we made it through for our first year, I suppose. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think there were, there were too many... Uh, I mean, I didn't see every game as well, which uh, obviously uh, hampers my uh, assessment a little bit. But, uh, you know, I mean, I suppose Christmas time, everybody's happy and it's Christmas and it's family time. And I guess to go to a football match and come home when we just won 6-2, that, that's, that's a bit of a moment, isn't it, yeah. really? Yeah, you're buzzing. Uh, yeah, you are, yeah. Right? especially at Christmas, because it, yeah. it just adds that sort of 
you know, that feeling of goodwill, no doubt Gary Johnson's feeling. Christmas Eats are a great time for football, although it's very busy for footballer around those times, but absolutely buzzing, you know, yeah. that's, what, that's what you want to be doing. If you love playing football, you want to be playing lots of games, and they do. Of course, it's changed a lot from, from you know, back in the, I suppose, 60s, 70s time, uh, you, you know, teams would play each other on, on Boxing Day and then the next day, literally the next day. <laughs> and, you know, I, I can recall one one team that happened to score five and then they lost 5 0 in the reverse game. You know, I mean, that, that, that sort of. You do get some mad results. Yeah, you do. It's Christmas and I just yeah. think that adds uh-huh. to it, you know. <laughs> Goals of the season. We've had 61 first. Yeah, we've had 61. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> we've had 61 goals this season, just so you know. I was going to say 58, so. Uh, and oh. we were joint second top scorers because Harrogate and Notts County both scored 61 goals as well. All right. So who scored the most, then? Barrow, 68. Mm. Yeah. Thorpe, you've uh, called shotgun on the first. Well, now, now I've got the right player. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I was convinced it was Colin, but Luke Wilkerson's free kick. Absolutely. For for a player, for a centre-half to hit a strike like that in right in the top stanchion with pace, dip, curl, is such a hard technique. For for, for me, it, it's the the howitzer free kick from... I think we were joking that it was like uh, was it 31.7 yards. Oh, yes. <laughs> we were joking about it. Because I think my, my maths was a bit out that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but for me, for me it, was one, it was an absolute strike uh, to be proud of. And, uh, it was. I think I remember it being the sort of the surprise as well because I don't think we realised he had it in him at that yeah. point as well. And he'd yeah. never taken a free did that kick. Just, did that that just was happen? the first free kick he'd taken for the club. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure of it in that position. So wide. He was literally almost on the touchline, and you just think, he was, why is he crossing it? Why are you putting your centre back to cross it when he should be in the box trying to head it? And, then, and also, mean, I truly wow. believe, I truly believe that if you could put any goalkeeper in the world mm. in that goal that day, they would still not have got that. So I think it was that good a strike. It was unreal. I think that that game was just a, such a freakish game that when he went and scored that, I was like, well, of course it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's in tune with yeah, everything else. Exactly Douglas is open, eh? it was yeah. bound to go that way. So come on, Ian, what's your goal of the season then? Probably our, was it our last goal before the season was stopped? Mark Richards... Brilliant strike into the top corner. Is that a boring one, I think? Uh, Dover. Dover. Oh, Dover, yeah. Dover, classic. Yeah, that sweeping move down the right-hand side and then he just seemed to caress it into the top corner. First time strike. Very little was... backlift, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, just... and it was, you know, that was his first... Was that his first goal for us as well? Mm-hmm. Probably his last I think goal uh, second day. after he I scored think he a late goal. I think, I think he had a scrappy... Oh, yeah, scrappy sort of 89th minute, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he scored was, some important goals. Yeah. I sort of blanked those games that period of the season out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that one's my one, Mark Richards. Well, I've already divulged mine, Courtney Duffers. Because <laughs> I just, I just, you know, it was quite an important goal, apart from anything else. But the cheeky it, nature. It, it was, yeah, it was, it was just, it was just great, you know. I mean, yeah, it was, don't think we'll ever see another goal like that. No, I don't think we will. It's just crazy. It'll be on videos, I just imagine. It's one of those, whereas yeah. commentators, you think, well, something's not quite right here. It must be disallowed, or oh, something. Yeah. And then suddenly, mm-hmm. everyone's cheering and he's running away. Like, don't think it's going to get disallowed here. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be on David De Gea's goalkeeping blunders TV. <laughs> yeah, probably. Although David De Gea wasn't in goal at the time. But, uh, no, he, might, he might be this time next year. Various goalkeeping rickets. He made that many out of his own video. Series. Netflix special box set. David De Gea's goalkeeping blunders on Netflix. That's going to be a lot. Sophie, you're a bitch. Uh, uh, oh yeah, I've not mentioned yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, sorry, it was this. It was the, the same. same. The same free kick. Yeah, that most definitely. Do you know what I think about the, the ownership? I think that they can all, they, they could probably uh, sit back and say they've had a, a decent first season in charge. You know, and I think we would like anything. It's the important part is that's history now. Yeah, that is gone. You know, so if you've lost money or whatever, it's about stabilising the club still. It's about taking that to the next level. How do they do it? What's their, biz- their business you know, model look like? 
you know, the monetary side is always extremely important because we don't want to go into administration. So if you want to be an owner that people really want to take to, and that, those are the type of things that the, 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 the fans want to see. They want to see somebody who's here for the long term. They want to hear some fans who's prepared to invest in the club. You know, they want to see an owner that's backing his manager, you know, financially as well as, you know, as, as, as collectively as well. Getting the culture and, and the model right for this level of football and having, having a, a futuristic look at what he wants this club to be, you know, and what he wants to build it. You know, I know that people have always, the owners have said they want to build on the land, they want to build that. We all know that people want to build on the land, you know, but what they're going to do as a business model, could we put, you know, I think that the away end at the moment is desperately in need of development. You know, could we put like a hotel on the back of there? You know, it, why, why can't we do that, you know? Um, could we, we need something for the fans? You know, we need a supporters club. You know, we need a supporters club that can generate money like it did at the old ground with the, the darts, the pool, you know, the skittles. The, the skittles, yeah, absolutely. Massive in this area. You know, they could uh, have an alley. And, and I remember playing, you know, me and the old chairman, Brian Moore, used to play cribbage together. And actually, our cribbage... You know, could be champions of one year. You know, Good. But, God, is that right? right. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> I could get the, the trophy out. It's around somewhere. Actually. Holy moly. But, I'm going to say it. Am I the only one here who doesn't know what cribbage is? Cribbage is a card game. With, uh, uh, you know, have matchsticks. Stick them in the hole. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, okay. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's so, pretty mind-blowing. Trust me. It's giving you something to, to it's research. Like no. <laughs> no. So, for me, I think that, that those are the things that I would like to see, you know, uh, develop because I don't like seeing um, uh, the fans in a glorified tent, but that's what we've got at the moment. You know, and I want to see a proper clubhouse where we can start utilising their money within the club, and that can be put to the running cost of that. And by having that, you have a seven day a week you know, like thing happening. And that used to generate a lot of money at the old football club. You know, I remember having a, a, a part of my 21st birthday party there, which was a fantastic night. You know, we broke every rule in the book, not to say it now, but it went on to about three o'clock in the morning. And it shouldn't have done. But it was a great night. You know, and, um, but th those are the things that I want to see, you know, the, the, the owner do. And I think that if he does that, then, you know, he can, he can be remembered as a, a fine owner. I think, You've got to bear in mind what you just sort of touched on. Um, it's nice to have these thoughts, but, but sometimes the reality of it is that the situation that the club is in, mm. especially with regard to planning permission, etc., yeah. uh, etc., et uh, who owns what, etc., etc., who's got covenants, um, covenants. Uh, it's, it's, you know, there's no way, you know, John Fry and Norman Hay would have been in control of that club for. However uh, many years, 15, 20, I don't know, whatever. And during that time, I know for a fact they have tried and tried and mm. tried, and the council and everybody's been against them, and it's just been nigh on impossible mm. to get through the covenants and all the rest of it. So, whilst yeah. it would be great to see it happen, um, whether it will happen or not, I've, I've got my doubts, frankly, because of because of the red tape issue, not not because of their, uh, yeah. you know, Scott's uh, ambitions to be able to do it, but I know I know I've been I've seen the plan, I've been there, you know, I was there for fifteen years, and I I know what they went through, and and I was very close to the chairman, and I know exactly what they tried, and it, it just nothing, you know, very difficult. Very has difficult. there has there been walls built instead of like bridges? You know, are we are we working against the council instead of working with the council? You know, and can we can we come into partnership with the council sometimes to to not only generate money for us but also for them as well? Because there's you know the, the, it can't be you know it's not that that land is not going to be just a car park forever and a day. You know, it's, it needs to be developed and it need, but it needs to be developed in the right way. Mm. And if you work start working with the council, I think that, that that is possibly a start. I'm not saying it's the conclusion, but I certainly think that um, it's, a, it's a possibility that we might need to start working with them instead of against them. I think we've got to acknowledge that everything has changed now with yeah. with coronavirus. Everything has changed. Yeah. So they've been dealt a, a hand that they no one would have anticipated 
this for for them to have to yeah, handle this you've got to feel as well. Sorry for the circumstances that they found themselves in. You know, who could have thought they, you know, they bought a football club and went into it with full of ambition, and then suddenly we get hit with a with a pandemic which the world has never seen yeah, before. before yeah. uh, you know, yeah. so therefore nobody knows how to deal with it. it it's just unbelievable. It's got all those planning permission issues. They may have an impact on, you know, the council. They may, mm. you know, if they've been against well, things previously yeah, yeah, they now might. they're going to have to look at things they're going to have to change like things won't be able to go back to the way they were before because the, you know everything's going to need a boost yeah I mean I'd very much like to see uh, us go um, what people might say it's going around in circles going back to the old school you know we, in the summer you know the players used to do the summer soccer school you know that used to generate a huge amount of money for the football club yeah you know and um and it was a high, massive, massive success. You know, to have 130, 140 kids per week for five weeks, you know, at Yeovilton, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's to be commended, like, you know, and... Um, and, and uh, well, don't the community trust do that now, though? Yeah, yeah but it, it, I, 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 I'm not sure, I'm not sure how they run it, um, but uh, for me, I don't, for me personally, I don't see enough community stuff going on. You know, and I've, I've tried to sort of like uh, help out or offer my services, and I don't see enough happening. You know, again, you know, to not return a, a message or an email or a phone call. Sometimes I can find that quite rude. You know, and uh, and I think that uh, if you want to be a community, you know, you you have to embrace that. And I'd like to see a bit more of that. So next season. Yeah, when it starts, what do we think? What do, where do you see? Well, I, I think you know, we've just mentioned pandemics. That is the major stumbling block at this precise moment in time. I think we have to prepare ourselves for another long season. It, well, yeah, I think I think, but I mean, the thing is, you know, back along, uh, was it last week? Uh, Five thousand people were supposed to be going to Goodwood Races. Uh, the snooker was going to have a, 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 an audience. And suddenly, they've stopped it. Now, the, the kickoff day is the third of October. Supposedly, although we've got uh, friendly games before that, are we going to have a crowd? If the answer is yes, then okay, fine, no problems at all. But however much social distancing you put into it, that's that's fine. We'll have our football, we'll have a crowd, and that, let's move in the right direction. But if we don't have a crowd, I cannot see how <coughs> teams like Yeovil or anybody in the National League can afford to play football because we're starting to get deep into August already so we're talking about the start of October that's yeah. only a month or two away exactly <laughs> so I think you know I think, I think as a team I think you know I think we've got what's the matter this is my maths again <laughs> oh, okay. um, as a team I think we August, we, September, October. we can look forward to a, a great great season if we get the football but yeah. is the pandemic going to allow us to get the football See, as regards to uh, Stephen, Steve uh, Rutter uh, <coughs> picked up on this. He said, as regards to our stadium, our stadium is, I think, uh, eight, eight or nine? Nine thousand. Right, so, yeah, so it's just short of 10,000 people uh, stadium. Right, so the crowds we get are, you know, around about two, two and a half thousand, say, you know, at the moment, two, two and a half thousand minutes. So we could, in fact, isolate with, with with the one metre ruling quite capable of doing that and if the fans need to wear masks they can wear masks so I actually think at the lower level of football I actually think they're in a they're in a more positive position than than, than like premiership championship clubs are you know and I think that at the, the, the um, you know the lower level football should really be looking at this say actually we could we can do this safely you know one way in, one way out, on that side. Same at the other end. You know, um, obviously the food and beverage would have to be a different, you know, thing. But we can do it, and I think that um, you know we just have to be sensible about it. And uh, as long as I, yeah. you've got a clown like, what's his name, Hancock, is it Tony or <laughs> Matt Hancock? Matt Hancock. Hancock. As long as you've got a clown like him in charge, I think you've got no chance to quit. <laughs> Well, yeah, because they don't want to make mistakes, and they don't want to be seen to be the person who made the huge blunder, you know. But you know, the the, the important thing is sport can go ahead. You know, the financial side of it is the crippling side of it because they they need to generate money, and how do you do that? And, and like you say, if you can't generate money, 
what's the point of having a business? Well, well certainly, I mean, at, at this level, I think we've seen it with the Premier League and with the TV revenues, and although it's an issue for them, they'd love the fans back, they can legitimately go on and play without any fans being there. They don't rely on the, the income, but for clubs at our level, and, and I think that's the only worry with crowds, is it's great for Yeovil, who have kind of got a 10,000-seater stadium, but looking at some of maybe the smaller clubs in our league, they've maybe only got a stadium that could hold mostly standing fans. They said there's no standing holding two, 3,000 fans maybe, that might be more of an issue because I think it's going to be harder for them to be able to socially distance. And it's, it, it's a really difficult one. And yeah, I can't see the league going ahead if they've got no crowds simply because you're going to be paying out thousands for testing for all these players and That's the deep. people that come in, in contact with the, the playing has, staff. Have, have, has any dates been reviewed? Or I know they've given the date of when they're going to start the league, but is that with provisions I, I mean I, I think they've always said it's it's going to be it's potentially changeable because you just don't know by then what's going to happen I think conceivably people are saying that we could we probably will have some sort of second wave at some point in, in well, the next I would 12 say we're months in, we're possibly in the start of that already maybe yeah, yeah. It's, when, when you think about it right well, it's quite worrying isn't it? mm. because like oh, these businesses yeah. still have the rates to pay they still have like uh, you know electric bills to pay water bills to pay you know, when you and then you got the wages they still got to pay when they sign these contracts. If they're not already, they're already spending more than they're getting in. Absolutely, one hundred percent. So the, the actual future for football is is unless it's at the higher level, is still very much. In the well, it's, it's not just football. It's it's, it's the whole uh, way of life. Yeah. But even then, the higher level of football. So, for example, Arsenal. 25% of their revenue is tickets. They're one of the highest proportion of uh, the clubs they're one that has the highest proportion that relies on ticket revenue so that's why the news about Arsenal this week is coming through because they rely so much on match day revenue and gates receipts rather than like the TV stuff obviously yeah, tops yeah, it up yeah. but then you've got to look if the games don't go ahead the TV money is then going to get taken away because they're not fulfilling the contract because yeah. they're not playing the games so I think it will affect the top level as well, but certainly for... Of course, all the Arsenal players are all paid 20% or whatever it is of their wages to stop this happening. Yes, yeah, that's another, <laughs> another story, I'm sure. Yeah, well, they've got a what, billionaire owner. I, I, I think it, as a fan of a non-league club, I think it's hard to have sympathy with the kind of Premier League owners that have so much money and you think, really, at this point, this is when you would hope that they kind of support their clubs and, and actually the Premier League clubs can give a bit of money back to the non-league and the and the lower football leagues because that's what you need. You need the, the, the money to filter down because you look at all these great players that have started. I mean, Jimmy Vardy, perfect example, started in non-league and is now in the Premier League, obviously. We know what he's done. So I, I think it would be a real shame for football if, if the clubs just focus on kind of supporting their own. And we've seen the benefit package for the EFL, there was a very, very small one from the National League which worked out at a couple of thousand pounds per club, but there needs to be more financial support from, from the higher levels of the game and I hope we see that because at the end of the day we're all in this together and, and you just hope that football can kind of support itself and, and at the end we need crowds back, we need a vaccine, we need, we need treatment and then we can finally start getting back to some I sort of normality. I still wouldn't be surprised if the, like the Olympics and Euros mm. have been postponed whether that's just completely scrapped or you'll get your first European sort of big level football tournament and Olympic game behind closed doors. So Yeovil Town season, if it goes ahead? If it goes ahead, I think we can look forward to it with, with great optimism because I think we've got the right manager and hopefully the additions that he brings to the team will be good ones to complement an already good squad. So yeah, I think we've got a, a, you know uh, grounds for optimism without any question. I think I agree. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think we possibly will sort of be in a similar kind of position to where we were last year, to be honest, and build on it and hopefully Let's in just... an ideal world just be a little bit closer to that. <coughs> top of the pile. And... I, I mean, I think if you offered me now playoffs, kind of top, top seven it would be, I, I'd take it because I think you look at the amount of money that some clubs in our league are spending in Stockport, for example, yeah. signing John Rooney for a three-year deal, undisclosed fee, would have been a lot of money from, to surprise them away from Barrow. Um, and you look at the sorts of players they're signing, the Knox counties that are still going to have a massive budget. Um, I, think it's, I think it's going to be very difficult, it's more, going to be more difficult this year for you able to compete financially. They're probably going to have a mid-table budget again. Um, so it's just seeing whether they can kind of wheel and deal. And I've got confidence that 
I, I just hope the Oval fans are patient. I hope that if a few things go wrong to, towards the start of the season, we're not getting on the managers near his back because it's an unprecedented situation. And I think if we can finish in the playoffs, it'll be great. I think if we can finish top 10, I, I, I would be happy with that just because of the amount of kind of uh, upheaval we've had in these last 12 months and then have a kind of build consolidation and then that. build again. I, I, think, I think that's where I'd go. Well, one thing we haven't mentioned is that we've got to two amazing games next year, you know, because we've got the... Yes, the local derby come back, and the, the the social media is really as soon as they got promoted. Uh, what a shame it would be though with no fans there mm. for either game. Well, it would be a real shame because uh, you know having played in a few of those, I can tell you they're pretty special. I've been on the wrong end and the good end, so uh, um, and uh, I just think that they're amazing games, and I think that to have those local derbies back in. Uh, for, for, for the yeah, it was real rivalry, really, isn't it? I mean, we've had rivalries with the Bristol clubs, maybe Exeter, but, uh, but I mean, like nothing Weymouth. like Weymouth. And yeah. we haven't had it, have we, since, was it 1999, the last last game, I think, the FA Trophy? Yeah, trophy. Well, as long as I've been watching Yeovil Town, we've never been yeah. in the same league, so I am very excited. Thank you for your time this evening, gentlemen, and uh, roll on next season. This is Three Valleys Radio, your local community station.